Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information and to donate online, go to 3cr.org.au. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. 3CR would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nations, true owners, caretakers and custodians of the land from which we broadcast. 3CR pays respect to elders past, present and emerging of the Kulin Nation. We recognise their unceded sovereignty. This is 3CR Breakfast. Alternative news, analysis and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am to 8.30am. Good morning. You are listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR. The time is 7am. It is frosty outside. <laughs> so, so frosty. Um, you, <laughs> you are listening to me, Zoya, in the studio as well. We have George. Hello. Who just took a little sip of her coffee. <laughs> and we have Anya. Good morning. And we nearly didn't make it in today. <laughs> that was how bad the frost was. Yeah. Because these two over here, George and Anya, never having lived in a country that gets significant frost, have no idea how to deal with a frosty windscreen. Teach us, Zoya. Teach I know, us. we had George in one corner trying to get it off with a t-shirt. <laughs> I used my hands. <laughs> no. <laughs> what were you clawing at? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Oh my God. <laughs> well, it worked. I got here. So. But did you use the mister thing? You put the mister on and then... I did. Did that help? No. Oh. So top tip to anyone out there who is currently trying to fight the frost on their car. If you're, if you're really stuck, a credit card or a Mikey card or something from your wallet, oh. ID perhaps, I don't know, or um, just a bottle or a jug or a cup of warm water from the tap. Wow. And Very then just smart. melt it off. So science... <laughs> tips, handy tips with Zoya. Oh, well, I learned something today. Thank <laughs> you, Zoya. But we all made it in, so it's okay. Mm. How was everyone's weekend? Yeah, yeah. weekend was good. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing, nothing overly exciting to report. I went down to Point Lonsdale. Did you? How was that? I got out of the city. Mm. It was great. Windy and rainy, but quite delightful. Mm. Fire, cheese. Windy and rainy, but delightful. It was. Well, you look, I'm British. I don't mind the fact that. <laughs> It's walking on the beach with the wind and everything going and gusting. Mm. It's all very gothic and, mm. you know, you feel yeah. like you're in some kind of Bronte novel. As I was scraping ice off the windshield today morning in, what is it? Is it September now? Almost October. All I could think about was climate change. I know. There we go. <laughs> I know. I yeah. Know. Thank you, human, human intervention in mm. global processes to make Anya frost her fingers up <laughs> it's all led to that exact point she's thinking this is yes. this is the, this is the, this is the beginning of the end yeah. <laughs> this is the point at which humanity took the big dip when you write your post-apocalyptic climate change novel it will start but no one you, would read with you scratching ice out <laughs> the window with your fingernails <laughs> you laugh but you'll see <laughs> shall we get to the show for today. Yes, yes okay, all right. Good show today. Um, Chris isn't able to make it in, but they've told me that they can talk to us over the phone. Yes. So maybe we'll go to a tune first. Yeah, well, why don't we say who we've got on first? Yeah. And yeah. then we'll go okay. to a tune, and all we'll right. come back with 
Chris, letting us know what is happening in the world other than it being frosty. Sounds like a plan. (laughs) After the news at 7.20, we have Michelle McNamara, who is an academic from Melbourne Uni, um, who is speaking on a panel next next week on the 24th about um, trans rights and feminism as part of the criminology department, and it sounds fascinating. At 7.40, we have the advocacy director, Hayley Cull, uh, for Plan International, and youth activist, Ope Olobodun, um, talking about Give Equal, which I am not... Which is a new campaign that they're doing, yeah. I've seen posters for that around, actually, so Mm. fabulous. Um, At 7.50, we have Anthony Kelly. From the Melbourne Activist Legal Support. Um, He's also the CEO of Flemington Kensington CLC. And they're going to, so he's going to come in to talk about the MELS, uh, which is Melbourne Activist Legal Support Fundraiser, what MELS does, why it's so important at this day and age, and yeah, details about the fundraiser. Wonderful. Uh, then we have Aran um, Malvaganam, Malva apologies, uh, talking uh, with an update on Priya and Nada's, yes. the Bidiola family. Mm-hmm. So, so really he's, he's from the Tamil Refugee Council and he's come on uh, at least once, I think, to Tuesday Breakfast mm-hmm. to talk about. Um, important topics relating to Tamil refugees in Australia and yeah he's going to give an update because we'll be hearing some more info on this family tomorrow I Mm. think and they also had a screening of No Fire Zone yesterday so I kind of want to ask about how Mm. that went as well and finally at 8.10 very very exciting we have Tam from the Wheeler Centre who is speaking about the Broadside Festival, a really interesting oh, yeah. feminist festival what a coming up. up honestly. That, oh my gosh, it's like the Woodstock of feminist festivals. <laughs> yeah, it is going actually. to be amazing. <laughs> I, oh, wow. So it's going to be great to talk about. So big, big show. So why don't we jump onto a tune and then get straight to it? Yeah, we might start with... Uh, there was a big thing that happened over the weekend, hey, with Sampa's new oh, yeah. album oh, coming so out. Good. Heard about the the launch at Northside Records. Mm. I didn't go, but I think Ayan went and I saw it on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. There was yeah. a launch. Mm. I'm so not cool enough for this stuff. For free. Yeah, we should go. Yeah, we, we missed out big time. I follow her on Instagram. How did not that one come up? Oh, you. <laughs> Instagram, sort your stuff out. <laughs> so we might start with. I, I imagine we'll be probably be just playing one song every week of this album until <laughs> yes, we've heard the yes. whole album but yeah. let's start from uh, with one of the um, early songs this one is called Freedom
Somebody tell the dealer I'm coming. Good morning. You're listening to 3CR Tuesday Breakfast, 8.55am or 3cr.org.au. The time is 7.10. That was Freedom by the amazing Sampa the Great. And on the line right now, we have Chris, our usual Hello. news delight, <laughs> who, who when, when they are not being a 3CR news superhero, their day job is as a reporter for Crikey, Harry Clark Kent. How are you doing today, Chris? <laughs> That's exactly, that's the nicest intro I've ever gotten. How are you guys? <laughs> Thank you. Very, Sorry. very well, Chris. Good, good. Sorry I couldn't be there in person. It's, um, it is an extremely busy news day, so, mm. so I am um, glad to duck in here. Uh, the top story this morning is um, New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian will face a spill motion uh, from three Liberal three very far-right anti-abortion mm-hmm. MPs. It, it likely will not succeed, but it is, um, it's kind of in, in reference to an abortion bill, which is an abortion decriminalization bill, which is going up today. Uh, it didn't receive the amendments that they wanted. They wanted some truly 
uh, truly radical things. They wanted specifically um, uh, sex-selective abortions decriminalised in, uh, not decriminalised, uh, illegal in, in New South Wales, which we know from evidence over in America where these things exist uh, that they don't, A, they don't work, that banning, quote-unquote, sex-selective abortions do not work. You can't kind of gauge why people are doing it. It makes doctors, you know, turns them into psychologists or investigators. But it definitely leads to racial discrimination because a lot of people believe that uh, people from China and, and India descent uh, go in for abortions for these reasons. So it's, it's only ever had negative consequences. But that is uh, that's one of the key sticking points that this. I think it's three MPs have signed the thing, but ten are expected to vote for it today, which won't like it probably won't. CDN is quite asparagically, and uh, she, she has like 46 MPs, I think, in the party. Uh, but it, um, yeah, it's kind of, it's going to be a headache, and it, it really sounds like there's a concern that, you know, I, I personally, I hope she doesn't budge because I think it would be really awful some of the things that they're asking for. Mm. Um, so that will, that's kind of going to be a lot of elements of that today in the news cycle. Uh, separately, closer here in here in Victoria. Um, there's allegedly been a bit of a, you know, last week work started uh, on the Jabberung trees uh, up in up in north, northern Victoria. It's, it's quite, uh, it was quite heartbreaking. A lot of, um, it was just, I think, like tree, like elements near the camps that Jabberung protesters had set up, so like branch clearing and stuff like that. Uh, the Victorian government, I think, put out a statement that they're going to wait until tomorrow to resume. They're going to try and create some kind of mediation with with traditional owners, but that already has sounded like it's been broken because people have seen people working on the site. It, it might be that they're not working, but they're just surveying and stuff like that. But it's, uh, yeah, it's really heartbreaking. Jabberung uh, people really need protesters and help up there if um, they're going to protect a lot of these sacred trees. Uh, we're going to see something similar. We're also seeing something similar up further north in the country. There's uh, a lot of the WNJ people of Central Queensland. I'm, I'm sorry, I've forgotten forgot the name, but Adrian Baragaba and, and a lot of the people in the Adani, um, the region that Adani wants to build in the Carmichael Coal site have, they had their tradition, I think they had the indigenous, their traditional title taken away by Queensland a few weeks ago, uh, just like outright revoked after they, there's a long storied history to this, but uh, they've kind of abandoned legal, they've, they've exhausted all their legal means and they've set up a lot of protests up there. Uh, so that is something that will, you know, Adani put out some really awful statement a few weeks ago that was like, you know, you are protesting on Adani land without permission or something, and it was just deeply hypocritical and gross. Um, so we're going to see something very similar to what we've seen in Jabberong up Adani further north. Land. Adani land. Yeah. Adani land. They said, so, I, I mean, maybe they didn't exactly like that, but it was deeply foul. It was something that like Queensland state government and Adani had set up that like it's that they've given them the permission. It's a Queensland government at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, the language was deeply foul. Yeah, like, horrible. A, yeah, the traditional owners um, being spoken to by Queensland government. But yeah, it's it's deeply gross. Uh, and finally, this is I mean semi light. It's kind of insane. But uh, Boris Johnson, um, the leader on the other side of the world, has been completely owned by a lot of the European his European counterparts the last week. Mm. He um. He's in a lot of trouble with Brexit. I, I think Goya is probably a much better place. They, they, I think you understand this a bit better than I do. But they've, um, he's, he's kind of toured a bit as he's been forced to, you know, make it, you know, either extend the process or, or make a deal in the next couple of weeks. Um, he kind of was 
But amongst all that, he's had to go and like talk to his, his foreign counterparts who just do not have any respect for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Scottish Prime Minister delivered some a terrific takedown to his face last week. Uh, and this morning, Johnson uh, was meant to talk to his appear with his Luxembourg counterpart, but the protesters were too loud. Like around the city, he just got like drowned out by protesters. Uh, so he didn't turn up. So the Luxembourg PM uh, just spoke to an empty chair and kind of made fun of them for a while. And, and this is all amidst Johnson's talking about, like, oh, we've, you know, we're making progress. We've got the support of European leaders, yada, yada. Uh, and it's very funny to just see it all kind of collapse in front of him and him just, like, specifically not turn up. And then he uh, referred to himself as the Hulk, which I thought yeah. was... And Mark yeah. Ruffalo spoke out against him, saying that's an insult to <laughs> the Hulk. funny. Yeah. <laughs> You're not the Hulk. I'm uh, <laughs> I am the captain now. Uh, oh, you can't yeah, even make all, a joke anymore. <laughs> no, it's very funny. Um, so, yeah, it's all burning, but it's um, at least kind of coming back to bite with some some of the, our terrible world mm. leaders. He also wants to build a bridge from Scotland to Ireland and said it's only going to cost something like £15 billion. Pounds. A bridge. <laughs> what is? What are these people thinking? What is this? <laughs> I mean, you know, maybe it'd be kind of cool to start on a bridge from Scotland and end up in Ireland. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's a 20 mile bridge or something ridiculous. Isn't it? Mines are the yeah. best and the brightest. Yeah, it's just, geez, that's really funny. Pri- get your priorities straight. Fix mm. global warming, then we can build the bridge. Yeah, we'll just build bridges connecting all the countries in the world. <laughs> Yeah. From Asia to yeah. Australia. <laughs> but destroy metaphorical bridges, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> Burning those bridges. Trump will be like, I'm going to build a bridge. My bridge, my bridge will be the best bridge, the biggest bridge. Yeah. The biggest bridge. <laughs> Where would he build it? Maybe the bridgiest bridge. <laughs> bridgiest bridge, yeah. Could be the next sci-fi <laughs> instead of the climate change one that you're going to write, on you? Mmm. be about the bridges. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll just put that in the sci-fi. Oh, that sounds <laughs> even worse. <laughs> Go all out. Definitely won't be reading that. <laughs> well, what can we do but laugh about the world now? Exactly. Mm. You can only laugh and um, support uh, Indigenous protesters as mm. well. There's, yes. there's, we've, there's a lot. There's going to be a lot of fights to be had so, mm. um, across the country, as there have been for over 200 years. But, yeah. Beautiful. Well, Thank you. Mm. We can both thank Chris. (laughs) One, two, three. Thank you, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys. Sorry I couldn't be there in person. Um, Yeah, always a pleasure. Have a nice day. You too. See you again. So we're going to go to a track now. This is my favourite track uh, from the last week. Mm. It's off Rhapsody's new album, which I have played a song off. I think I played a song from that album last week. The album's called Eve. This track features Queen Latifah, and it's called Hat Shepsut. Which I think is from the name of a pharaoh or someone. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a is that, is that, is that the female? She's a female. Pharaoh. I knew you would know this. <laughs> I used to teach humanities to year seven students, so I know my I know my Egyptian pharaoh. Did I pronounce it correctly? That I do not know. Hat Shepsut. That sounds right. Um, and I want to dedicate this track to Ayan, uh, whose birthday it was a couple of days ago. Mm. If you're listening, hope you had a beautiful day. Yeah. 
You telling me this, telling me this, telling me that. Telling me I promise that. once you've been with me, baby, you'll never go back. Never Queens go back. always have your back. Always. I'm thinking rebirth of flat. Yeah. First time I ever saw your face, I fell in love just I like that. I know your burden gets bad. You taking care of my bags. We cry together, hold you down the days you're broken and sad. And I'ma always keep it real. No, I don't care if you mad. I'm here to make you better. I'm just like Coretta, in fact. The only kings would understand just how that metaphor matched. Latifah's still a queen. I'm just trying to follow her path. A long walk to freedom when he fought through all of the wrath. I got a number if you want it. I got all of the math. All the hoodlums. I think all of us are good ones, St. Clair. I see the God in you. Even if we different, than Claire. Even if we different, though. I know we all different when we paired. Been through a lot. We got a lot still to repair. Working on it. Did it all with love, God, and Jesus. Amen. World in his palms, Akeem still needed Lisa. Need I hope he treats her better than Tommy Boy treated Keisha. For sure. You gotta love your queen, cause God knows that you need us real. It's real. You and I, T-Y. Even living single, we connected by the tribe. Was raised by a queen. Know how to be one and love one and raise a king. When he sold out the scribe, how to love him. Queens come in all shapes and colors. Though we sit on thrones, we don't look down on each other. I learned how to rule from my mother and my auntie's got the blood of the Ashanti. I could be clear with Gandhi to protect mine. It's peace of mind, word to Jersey, I'm a giant. A queen's pride stronger than all the lines. Connected by lines. Sisterhood. The day you try to test me, look homie, I wish you would. Open doors for the ladies as a queen like I should. That's why I'm Queen Latif with every village and every hood. And I'm good in every city worldwide. Why I've been raining for the last 25 So all hell the queens and the next ones to arrive Came out of Jersey with naughty dudes and hella drive Just another day above ground Working my thighs, we running it Remember the days me and Pop, we had some fun with this When I would bust you dead in your eye, that's called humbling Been holding this torch, I don't fumble it I'm a child of God versus sentiment Telling them it's a clear shot to the top And I ain't talking guns and gin Just so all the queens know that every single one of them Has a throne spot crown that I've been Proud to rock all my blood royal, and that's worth the lancelot from the soil to the sun. You stunned, it ain't no shock. Another black rain, can't no water nourish the crop. That's why we flourish on top. Squall as queens, yeah, yeah. Victoria's Roadside Drug Testing Program is not about road safety. In last year's governmental inquiry into drug law reform, it was noted that Victoria's RDT program is falling behind on latest evidence regarding impairment. Currently, Victoria Police can charge people for detection of either cannabis, amphetamines or MDMA. But those detections do not correlate with impairment. Impaired drivers should be removed from the roads, and that's why we're urging an inquiry into Victoria's RDT scheme to ensure that the resources that are currently employed to make our roads safer are being properly used to make our roads safer. Help us refocus road safety onto what makes roads safe. Sign the e-petition, parliament.vic.gov.au forward slash council forward slash petitions. And look for the Inquiry into Drug Driving Reform, Petition 117. A 3CR supporter. You're listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR, 355am and 3cr.org.au. The time is 
7.23 and 40 seconds. And um, on the line now, we have Michelle McNamara speaking about a panel session that is coming up next week at Melbourne Uni around transgender rights and feminism. Um, Michelle is an out and proud transgender woman who is an active committee member of both the Australian GLBTIQ Multicultural Council and Transgender Victoria. Michelle's been active in campaigns for transgender rights in Victoria for several years and most recently the campaign in 2016 to amend the Birth, Death and Marriages Act to, to liberalise the rights of transgender people to change details of their gender on their birth certificate. Michelle is also the social media communication and events manager for Transgender Victoria. That is a very impressive CV. Good morning, Michelle. How are you? Good morning. I'm very well. I just want to correct something. I have been all those things for Transgender Victoria. I've, I've um Thankfully, given them up this year because I'm working full time at Melbourne Uni and don't have enough time to do those important things. Thankfully, we've got a great team of volunteers at Transgender Victoria to take over those. Oh, well, that's wonderful. Media and events <laughs> management. Wonderful. Yes. And apologies for that. So, Michelle, outside of that work that you did do with Transgender Victoria, what do you do at Melbourne Uni? So I, my title at Melbourne Uni is an Enterprise Fellow and I teach a, a, a Master of Biotechnology course which is about preparing people to cross from academia into industry, into the biotechnology industry. Wow, and, that's and, fascinating. And it's fascinating and fun, but my <laughs> hobby at university is diversity and inclusion and I'm very passionate about um, how... Literally, I'm very passionate about diversity and inclusion, and I'm very concerned with how little the university is doing in that area. Mm. So, on that note, what's the event that's happening on the 24th at the university? Well, the, the title is Transgender Communities, Law Reform and Feminism, and it's um, brought together by a group from the Criminology and Gender Studies Department, the School of Social and Political Sciences, and the School of Biosciences, the latter being where I am. It is in response to a, a, particularly an immediate response to an event run by an organisation called the Victorian Women's Guild, um, which was a which the event was really did not include any transgender speakers and included feminists and feminists who are opposed to the change to the birth certificate laws, the reform of the birth certificate laws, on the grounds that trans women are a danger to women. Um, this panel is an assembly of trans um, speakers, trans advocates and academics and feminists and is um, going to re really refute that, you know, that, that assertion. It, it's definitely not true. There's no evidence to support it. And birth certificate reform itself did not change any access that transgender people have to, to women's spaces simply because gender identity has been a protected attribute under the Equal Opportunity Act for 10 years now. Mm. And so who is going to be on the panel? So there's yourself, obviously. So Yes, yes. I'm delighted to say that the headline act, so to speak, is Emerita Professor Raywin uh, Connell from the University of Sydney who's written a wonderful book called The Good University and has a long history as a feminist. 
I am so excited about, about seeing her. I, when I saw that she was going to be on the panel, I think I nearly passed out in excitement. She might yeah, be one no, of my favourite gender we're, theorists We're delighted ever. to have her down from Sydney. I'm midway through her book, The Good University, which was just published this year, I believe, and it's, it's a fascinating read and a very thoughtful analysis of where universities are going. Mm. Um, we've got Associate Professor Angela Dwyer from the University of Tasmania, who I don't know, but who's a criminologist, and she's going to talk about the legal aspects of it. Mm. We've got Amal Liato Lu, who's a Fafafine Samoan uh, woman and, um, and transgender advocate and speaker. Joe Latham is the event moderator from Deakin University, and we have Associate Professor Sandy O'Sullivan from the University of the Southern Cross, sorry, who's a Wiradjuri um, man, um, person from the um, from the, uh, the yeah the Wiradjuri nation of the of the, sorry the Wiradjuri peoples of the Kulin Nation. So we've got a diverse range of speakers um, who are going to talk about taking birth certificate law reform and its significance to trans and gender diverse communities as its starting point. And I guess we're going to look at look at really big quick picture questions relating to trans and gender diverse communities such as how we work towards building a community that is inclusive, welcoming and safe for trans and gender diverse people. Um, that's, that's a really critical issue, personal issue for me at the university at the moment because I simply do not find the university a safe and welcoming space for trans and gender diverse people when the university will promote um, people who say that I am a danger to women, which is just not true. And it's not just the Victorian Women's Guild. The, the university has continues to promote, has continued to promote even this year, Sheila Jeffries, who, who is one of the chief proponents of that view. And they, they continue to, you know, put her book, book Gender Hurts prominently on display in the Bailey Library to mm. have her listed as an expert on male to female transsexualism. And uh, honestly, that's such a damaging thing to do to the community. Mm. And when, when you lodge any complaint about this, a complaint about the Victorian Women's Guild, which hundreds if not thousands of people did to the Vice-Chancellor, or when you lodge a complaint about Jeffries and the promotion of Jeffries' views by the university, the university defends it under the grounds of academic freedom. Mm. Um, yeah, in, in so your... I, which really disappoints me. In your opinion, why do you think institutions like this, because I imagine it's not solely... Um, restricted to just one university. Why do you think institutions like this do platform certain voices in that way? Well, I think the whole notion of academic freedom and academic inquiry and what constitutes valid and 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 and, um, uh, and research that that will get a voice is is highly charged. It's highly culturally determined. It's highly Politically and socially determined, it's the universe. The, the myth, myth of academic freedom is the university is a is some kind of benign space where all voices will get heard. Anybody with a valid opinion will get heard, and I, I just don't find that simply to be true. And I think, especially, <clears throat> especially where we're dealing with marginalised communities such as uh, racial and cultural and linguistic minorities or trans and gender diverse people, 
or even, dare I say it, some of the LGB community still suffers from being marginalised. And where you're dealing with a marginal community, academic freedom as a, as a concept is fine, but you must involve um, involve the voices of those marginalised communities, ensure that they get to get get to speak, because the weight of um, of the academy is behind the, the voices of the majority. Mm. The voices of the majority are the ones that get heard, are the ones that determine what is studied, and so on. Yeah, and I think uh, if I can just keep on going a little bit. Of course. Um, I think RMIT has a, you know, there is, Melbourne University has very vigorously adopted the uh, French model, Justice French model of academic freedom, which is, which is fairly unfettered except by research ethics. Um, but RMIT, I think, gets it right. It has a statement of academic freedom and responsibility, which really says that if you're going to research or have discussion about marginalised communities, you must involve that community. And I think that's such an important point when you're looking at the whole question of academic freedom and marginalised communities such as the trans and gender diverse community. Absolutely. It comes back to that nothing about us without us concept, yeah, exactly. doesn't it? Exactly. It's a wonderful, wonderful phrase and um, expresses it perfectly. So I'm going to be talking about my personal experiences of the way the university has applied academic freedom and how it's impacted on myself, both in my journey to want to come out as a transgender person at work and also how it impacts my mental health and well-being um, right, right at this moment. Hi, Michelle, this is George. I just wanted to ask a quick question, thinking about how at Melbourne Uni the protests against the previous event by the Women's Guild were really organised by students and from the queer and feminist clubs. And I'm wondering what role can academics play who are working at this institution in order to support this? What do you think your role is in, in all of this? That's a good question, yes. I, I'm so grateful that the students did take a lead. It was fantastic. I went along and demonstrated myself with them. Um, we publicised the demonstration through what's called the Pride in Action Network at the university, and we're very fortunate to have that, that network. It's a, it's a network of both students and staff, and it is there to um, give LGBT people, but and also their allies, a way of signifying that they support the LGBT community. And this was a very visible way of, of, of doing that, um, at that protest, but I'm I'm very grateful for the UMSU Queer Department and the GSA Queer Officers, both of whom I know many of the people involved, and and they're just really wonderful. It's wonderful to have their support. Um, I think the, <coughs> the, the there's far. I'm sorry, I'll start again. The younger generation, the the, the the people who are 20 who are coming to university, are much less hung up about gender than anybody my age, I'm 66, and, you know, they're much less hung up about gender and they're far more happy, there's far more of them willing to express gender diversity um, than anybody in my group. So it is great to see them take a lead on this and I'm very happy to be part of following their lead. I agree with you there, Michelle. I mean, personally, as a 
gender diverse person who's in their early 30s, even that, the difference between myself and the 20 year olds is just phenomenal. It's, it's really is quite heartening to see the, the increased fluidity and freedom that exists. And, and I just guess, I guess accepting of multiple identities. Just one more question. How can people attend this event? Where can we register? How do we get there? Uh, right. We... So there's, there's a Facebook page and, and an Eventbrite link. Um, I can send these to you if you can put them on your website. That would be We will great. share them on our, on, our, on our socials. And Yeah, if you just Google Transgender Communities Law Reform and Feminism on Eventbrite, you should find the event. And if you do the same with, with um, a search for it on Facebook, you should find the event. There's pages for both uh, on both Eventbrite and Facebook. Um, I must say that last week um, on Thursday, we had 275 people registered. The theatre holds 495. So I'd suggest if people want to attend that they get in quickly. Tickets selling fast. Well, it's free, but tickets registering It's free. <laughs> tickets are going fast, yes. Yeah, I've already registered my, my tickets, so I'm going to be there front and centre. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us this morning. And this sounds like a really, really important panel session to be holding and I sincerely hope that it totally sells out and it is a roaring success I'm sure it will be I look forward to seeing you there Zoya on next Tuesday fantastic 6.30 the Carrillo Gatner Theatre in the Sydney Maya Asia Centre in the University of Melbourne which is on Swanson Street perfect thanks Michelle yep. bye alright bye thanks most LGBTIQ people experience positive, intimate and family relationships. However, like cisgendered heterosexual people, some LGBTIQ people experience abuse and violence in their relationships. With Respect is a new family violence service for LGBTIQ plus Victorians, providing counselling and recovery programs for victims and survivors of family violence and help for people using violence who want to stop. With Respect is a partnership between queer Space, Thorn Harbour Health, Switchboard Victoria and Transgender Victoria. For more information, visit withrespect.org.au or call 1-800-542-847. With Respect is not a crisis service. If you need immediate help, call 000. A 3CR supporter. Genocide here is a lot more sneaky than it is in Rwanda or other places around the world. It's one thing white fellows learnt in the last 200 years to be very sneaky about their genocide. You look at the 38 nations that were here before white settlement and then you count up the numbers that are still surviving, still out there doing their business on their country. Well, there's only 25 left, so what happened to the other 13? Let's talk about the Black GST. Genocide to be stopped, sovereignty acknowledged and treaties made. Tune in to Fire First every Wednesday from 11am till 12 midday on 3CR with Robbie Thorpe.
and dinner. Joy of Freedom, Pacific Voices Sing Out for West Papua. Celebrate the launch of the CD Joy of Freedom on Saturday the 21st of September from 6pm at the Brunswick Town Hall. Entry is $15 and includes dinner. Performers include the Chendrawasi Dancers, Pacifica Victoria Choir, Corey Ann, the Black Sisters, Black Orchid String Band, Izzy Brown from Combat Wombat, and Tatame and the Neighbours, because music is our weapon. More information at Facebook event Joy of Freedom, a 3CR supporter. Welcome back to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR Community Radio. That track was Boss Queen by Mayesha. 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 Oh my god. We rehearsed this three times before. <laughs> that was a great track. Uh, it's Boss Queen. Just type it into Google and you'll find it. I'm very excited now to talk to two people. We're doing a conference call today, which will be really, really exciting. We're talking to Haley and Opie from Plan International about their very new, exciting campaign. Thank you so much for joining us today, guys. Thank you so much. Good morning. Yes, it worked. Um, <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Now, maybe we'll start by just introducing yourself. So, if Hayley, you want to go first? Sure. Hi, I'm Hayley Cole. I'm uh, working with Plan International, the charity for girls' equality. I'm the director of advocacy. Beautiful. And Opie? Hi, I'm Opie, and I'm in the Youth Activist Series at Plan International. Beautiful. So, let's talk about Plan International. What is Plan International? What kind of work do you do? Yeah, I can kick off um, mm. on that one. So Plan International is the charity for girls' equality. We work all around the world to help children get the best start in life, whether that's through education or nutrition or clean water. And in particular, 
We know that girls are often the ones with the greatest barriers put in front of them. So we work to promote gender equality uh, and to make sure that no one is being held back just because of their gender. Mm. And what is this new campaign that you are talking to us about? Mm. Yeah, Opie, do you want to dive in? Yeah, sure. So Give Equal is a new campaign raising funds for projects to make the world a more equal place for girls. Mm-hmm. So basically, um, you can pledge to donate the amount you chose to spend on in nicety during the month of October. For example, I'm pledging my studying snacks, and that's just going to help girls with everyday necessities like education and sanitation. Mm. And so what kind of um, organisations are you working with or collaborating with for this campaign? So the campaign is really about collaborating with individuals. We're really looking for a way that people can get involved in helping to raise funds to make the world a more equal place for girls. And we wanted something that helps people to kind of feel good and do good at the same time. So so the idea is really about working uh, with the community and with, with anyone who wants to see a world um, where gender equality exists. Mm-hmm. And so it's a really... Um, Sort of, it's a really fun and easy way for people to get involved by by signing up on the website giveequal.org, and you can sign up as an individual or you can sign your workplace up as well and make it more of a workplace kind of challenge. Uh, but the idea is that uh, anybody can get involved by by pledging um, to give equal to something that makes them feel good, whether it's their daily coffees or yoga classes, um, and and do good at the same time. Mm. And so, for listeners who um, who want to support your work. How, other than going to the website and doing this campaign, what else can they do? So we um, want to make sure that we're raising awareness through this campaign as well. So it's really important not just to be signing up to, to uh, give equal themselves, but to be talking about the issue um, with their friends and family and getting other people involved. We know that um, the issue of gender equality is something that, that really um, it holds far too many girls back from reaching their potential. For millions of girls around the world, it can mean gender-based violence. It can mean being pulled out of school early, child marriage, early pregnancy, poverty. But we know that equality is possible. And, in fact, we see every day through Planet International's work that, that change is possible. But it's only possible if we have the community behind us. Mm. And if people are talking and working day to day to dismantle um, the inequality that can exist um, for so many girls and, and for um, gender inequality more, more generally. Mm. And Opie, do you want to talk to me about how you got involved with Plan International and what kind of changes you're hoping to see personally? Yeah, so I've gotten, I've been involved with Plan International since the start of this year. I'm a youth activist in the Youth Activist Series. Mm-hmm. It's a 12-month program where we really see and learn the how-to of advocacy work. And it's really putting power in our hands as young people to actually be change makers in our communities on the issues we care about. Um, and in particular with this campaign, um, just knowing that the leading cause of death for, you know, 15 to 19 year old girls around the world are complications during childbirth and pregnancy. And knowing that at 19, I was in uni and thinking about my future. Mm. I'm really hoping to see like more power and more agency put into the hands of girls like around the world through the programs that give equal support so that they can decide how they want to live their lives. Beautiful. Well said. Um, so, Haley, before we wrap up, do you just want to go through how people can contribute to the campaign or if they want to take part in the campaign, what are the details again? Yeah, absolutely. So it's really simple to sign up. You just need to visit the website at giveequal.org. 
Um, and there you can sign up and, and pledge, um, choose your nicety, whatever nicety you want to give equal to. You can, you can sign up and you can, um, the website will take you through all the details. You'll get a fundraising pack and, and all the information that you need um, to get involved. But we really, really hope that the community will get behind this campaign and really help to make sure that um, we can work towards a world where um, gender equality is a reality for, for everyone. Mm-hmm. So please sign up at giveequal.org. Thank you so much for joining us today, guys. Thank you. Six years I've been in Beyond the Bars is 3CR's annual prison project, giving voice to our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander inmates right across Victoria. It's good to be here with us, uh, Aboriginal Radio, and um, you don't really get to do this much brings us all together time you'll get your time to take that first step out that front door to freedom beyond these walls Make sure and I just want to say thank you to all of you for giving us the opportunity to morning. speak on air the reason the bigger the calling make your commitment and watch things unfold. and you can listen to audio from this year's broadcasts and previous years as well online at any time just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars but also while I'm here I'd like to say thank you for all for coming um, helping giving us a chance to do this it's really good you know it's been going for a while now hopefully it goes it keeps going you know like it's, it's good that we can do this and um, get our voice out there as prisoners. We can't blame everything on the external, so let's stop looking for it in the hands of the persecutor because real power comes from here and it comes from family. If you would like us to post you a free CD, contact the station on 03 9419 QR Code is an LGBTIQA plus health podcast made by queers. Across eight episodes, hear us engaging with our communities, discussing diverse and intersecting topics. On In Your Face on the last Friday of every month. Or download from 3cr.org.au forward slash QR code. And follow us on Facebook at QR Code 3CR. Funded by the City of Yarra. Come to a very special evening of music, dance and dinner. Joy of Freedom, Pacific Voices Sing Out for West Papua. Celebrate the launch of the CD Joy of Freedom on Saturday the 21st of September from 6pm at the Brunswick Town Hall. Entry is $15 and includes dinner. Performers include the Chendrawasi Dancers, Pacifica Victoria Choir, Corianne, the Black Sisters, Black Orchid String Band, Izzy Brown from Combat Wombat, and Tatame and the Neighbours, because music is our weapon. More information at Facebook event Joy of Freedom, a 3CR supporter. Good morning, you are listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR with me, Zoya, Anya and George. The time is 7.51am and on the line right now we have um, Anthony Kelly who is the CEO of the Flemington Kensington Community Legal Service and started the Melbourne Activist Legal Service. Morning Anthony, how are you? Good morning. Um, why? I'm just Start off with, why don't you explain a little bit, what is the Melbourne Activist Legal Service? Oh, the, sure, the Melbourne Activist Legal Support. Um, I didn't actually start it. It was 
started by a whole group of people involved in the um, Occupy Melbourne um, uh, legal support team mm-hmm. that uh, worked really hard over the, you know, the three or so months of Occupy Melbourne um, times up, uh, after the, up until and after the eviction in uh, 2011, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then it continued from there. It won, the, won a Tim McCoy Award um, uh, in recognition of its uh, uh, work, and uh, then from there it formed into an ongoing uh, activist legal support group. So essentially, it's an independent, all volunteer network uh, of lawyers, law students, paralegals, human rights advocates who do a range of things, really. We field, we train and we field legal observer teams at protest events, and uh, that those legal observer teams uh, monitor the behaviour of police, uh, we scrutinise their conduct, and we report on that conduct if we see things of concern, and we advocate for civil and political rights uh, based on the, the Victorian Human Rights Charter or other international rights or other... Uh, relevant laws and limitations on police powers. And we also uh, train, advise uh, and resource activist groups around uh, activist legal support. So anything to do with um, legal rights that uh, we can provide, uh, advice, assistance or uh, resources or information, then we make sure that activist groups are, uh, and are improving their own activist legal support systems. That is quite a big job and a very, very important job. How long did you say that the um, Melbourne Activist Legal Support has been going on for? Well, since 2011. 2011. Yeah. Um, yes. And you've recently launched a new fundraiser. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we've, you know, like most uh, small grassroots groups, we run on the smell of an oily rag, but we realise that in order to meet the, the demand uh, for legal observer teams and for activist legal support resources, we really need to build our capacity. So we've now got well over a hundred trained legal observers on our books that we can call upon for um, uh, for events when we get requests. But um, those legal observers, you know, we need equipment, we need um, radios, we need really good high definition cameras in order to uh, film police when they're acting outside their duties or the law. And um, we need IC, you know, um, information technology equipment. We need uh, web-enabled cameras and uh, radios that enable communication across decent distances in the city. Uh, and also we just need the capacity to uh, produce reports and uh, do run more trainings for more activist groups. So um, we're seeking to raise $10,000 to do that for a, uh, to give us a bit of a budget. And we're also hoping to raise about, you know, to get about um, 50 or so people to provide monthly donations so that we can uh, employ a, a coordinator role to uh, keep building our capacity. And if people want to contribute to this fundraiser, how can they do that? Well, they can go to our website, um, Melbourne Activist Legal. Um, dot org and um, there's, there's a uh, we've got a, a fundraising appeal page it's also on our Facebook page of course um, so it's it's support dash activist um, uh, dot raisley dot com so it's um, yeah it's it's uh, very um, easily um, findable mm. on our on Facebook or on our on our website mm. 
Uh, and yeah, people got the option to uh, either become a monthly donor or uh, just give us a, a few dollars to, to help us meet that target. Yeah, and, and obviously this is really important work. And from that perspective, what do you see as the biggest challenge facing the activist community in Victoria at the moment? Sure. Well, there's, there's, there are many and varied, as you can imagine. But in terms of civil and political rights, Victoria Police have uh, gone through a period of enormous expansion over the last few years. And it's uh, prompted by the racialised crime panic that uh, Victoria's um, been experiencing, you know, that sort of strategic racism that we've seen over the last few years. It's provided police with um, uh, huge amounts of uh, personnel, uh, they've now, you know, got extra three or four thousand um, numbers. The the public order response team, which has been growing really over the last five or six years, is now, um, you know, huge in quite huge in scale. And they've also got a huge array of new weaponry, um, the pepper ball guns and so forth. And all of that is not only just intimidating from a civil and political rights perspective, um, you know, inhibiting the um, people's you know, um, freedoms, really, to hit the street. Mm. But uh, it's of great concern in the sense of how controlling police are at protests. And we saw that this Saturday where a very well-organised, peaceful um, civil disobedience protest was um, quite severely kettled and cordoned by police to the point where hundreds of people couldn't access the, the protest zone. And um, police just used sheer overwhelming force of numbers really to really curtail that protest and uh, make sure that it was um, you know limited in its scale uh, so th- so they've got the ability to really um, clamp down and control uh, when they want to and um, it's something that uh, it's very easy for the police to uh, overreach and to uh, infringe on our civil and political rights um, because for all these reasons it definitely sounds like supporting an organisation such as yours is a really uh, vital thing that we need to be doing. But for those people who don't have those financial resources at the moment to donate, how else could they contribute to the work of MALS? Well, we have, it's an all-volunteer organisation, so we're always looking for people who want to get involved. Um, to, um, we have a day-long training for, for being a legal observer, and then we have you know, the um, expectation that you'll do at least two legal observer teams as part of that training. Mm. Um, so that's always really good to be involved. You don't really need legal experience. We have a lot of law students and people interested already in the law um, getting involved, of course, but you don't have to do that. We provide um, basic legal training on police powers and rights and so forth um, as part of that training. Mm. Um, but certainly sharing the word, um, sharing the, um, the support, asking uh, other people to... Um, support and get involved is really valuable at this stage. We've still got a long way to go before we reach our um, even quite reasonable $10,000 target, really. Yeah. So just again, um, how can we? How can people find uh, the work of MALS? How can people donate to MALS? Sure. So uh, Melbourne Activist Legal Support um, dot org and, fi- and find us on face- Facebook as well, um, and then click through to the to, through to the links for the fundraiser and there's a lot more information there about males and so forth Fantastic, Anthony Kelly thank you so much for coming on and talking about um, your fundraiser and good luck with it Thanks very much for having me Thanks. 
So that was Anthony Kelly, CEO of the Flemington Kensington Community Legal Service, as well as a member of the Melbourne Activist Legal Support, who provide absolutely vital legal support to activists around Victoria. So something really, really close to 3CR's heart. So if you do have any funds out there, Donate to them, help them get those high-definition cameras, help them get those microphones, help them train those legal observers, because we need people like that to be supporting the really important work of activists around Victoria. To love a Gemini, like a threesome, fucking with them every night. A lot of two-faced people show me both sides, so I figured out I gotta be my own type. They used to say to get a man, you had to know how to look. They used to say to keep a man, you had to know how to cook. But I'm solo and so hosted, and so you would matter. You're listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR. We have a packed show today. <laughs> Another guest on the line with us is Aaron Malvaganan, who is from the Tamil Refugee Council. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Aaron. Thank you for having me, George. So there's a few things that we want to chat about today, but I want to start by asking you about the event you had yesterday for the, the film No Fire Zone. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yes, yeah, so No Fire Zone uh, is a is a documentary, award-winning documentary made by Callum McRae, 
Uh, it was produced by the Channel 4 uh, in the UK, and, and it takes a look at uh, uh, the, the final days uh, of the war in Sri Lanka. A lot of the footages uh, used in the documentary were taken by uh, civilians caught up uh, in the war, um, and also military, uh, Sri Lankan military officers who uh, took the, the, the videos as trophy uh, footages. Um, and, and Channel 4 compiled it and, uh, and made it into a really harrowing uh, documentary which shows not only why Tamils fled Sri Lanka, but why people flee war zones and, and come to Australia as, as refugees. Uh, if people want to watch this film, uh, they can by going to www.nofizone.org. Um, there were last night there were journalists um, and, and many different type of uh, uh, people uh, attending the the screening um, uh, you know it was quite visible that everybody who were in the room uh, was shocked um, and you know this uh, you know whatever people saw in that film is basically uh, the situation people like Peria and nowadays mm. fled from. Uh, the structures that uh, uh, existed in 2009 to murder over 100,000 Tamils continues to exist, um, and uh, the you know, and they continue to haunt uh, Tamil people on that island. Uh, so we shouldn't be sending back Korea nowadays, and, and we shouldn't be sending back. Uh, any other refugees uh, till the situation changes. Yeah, absolutely. So it seems so important to to show this because we still seem to have an issue with a lot of people in Australia not really understanding what has been going on in Sri Lanka, but also the Australian government in complete denial about all of this violence towards Tamil people. That's right. The film actually it captures everything that has happened uh, till uh, 2015. Um, it doesn't capture you know, what happened in the last four years, but it kind of predicts what was going to happen in the uh, you know in the next four years, and um, and you know they they haven't got it wrong. Um, and, and like you said, you know Australian government never acknowledged that thousands of Tamils were murdered uh, in 2009, despite United Nations uh, reports claiming that more than 70,000 Tamils were killed. Despite United Nations claiming that, Australia actually co-sponsored a resolution uh, in support of the Sri Lankan government at the United Nations uh, in 2014, I believe. Um, and, you know, they have done everything to appease the Sri Lankan government. You know, under the, the Gillard government, we had the enhanced screening process uh, through which you know, over 1,500 Tamils were deported back. And then, you know, Tony Abbott uh, went to Sri Lanka and defended torture. He uh, donated Navy ships. Uh, millions of dollars were handed over to the Rajapaksha regime while they were torturing Tamils. Um, Australia has basically been an ally uh, uh, in this uh, war against uh, uh, Tamils. Uh, they have supported the Sri Lankan government leading up to the war, after the war, and and they continue to do that now. And clearly this is related to the situation with Priya and Nades. What is the link and what is happening at the moment with this family? Priya and Nades' uh, case is coming to the uh, 
uh, federal court uh, tomorrow morning. So we'll all be having a rally at 10 a.m. outside uh, federal court. Uh, they are obviously facing deportation back to Sri Lanka. Um, as it's been reported widely in the media, Piria fled the country after witnessing the, the death of her fiancé together with uh, four other men who were uh, you, you know, torched and, and burnt alive uh, by the, the Sri Lankan armed forces. And, uh, you know, Piria uh, refused to uh, marry again uh, after that traumatic experience. When she ca- came down here, she found uh, Nadez. She decided to have a family, had uh, two kids, uh, and um, and now all of a sudden, you know, Australian government, you know, has uh, you know ripped them apart and and you know uh, and and trying to uh, deport them back to Sri Lanka. The only thing that has stopped them from uh, being deported back so far is uh, is the the people of Billabilla, a regional Queensland town, um, batting for this family, and then you know tens of thousands of uh, Australians who are supporting the people of Billabilla's uh, uh, attempt to stop the the deportation. Um, you know while. We have been using legal avenues uh, to uh, to stop the deportation. Eventually, uh, it is going to rely on people power, and and we're hoping a lot of people will come uh, tomorrow. Uh, and and we're hoping that uh, uh, you know, in the event uh, there is a negative outcome, uh, thousands of Australians will mobilise and and put pressure on the Australian government to. Uh, not go ahead with the deportation. Mm. If you're just tuning in, I'm speaking with Aaron Milvaganam from the Tamil Refugee Council about Priya and Nadez and that case, which we will hear more information about tomorrow, and you can go down and support, and we'll share that on our social media pages. Linking to, because as you mentioned, the support from uh, other people has been really important in terms of this particular family. Rise Refugee... Um, an organisation that is completely run by uh, ex-detainees in Australia. They posted something on Twitter yesterday, and I want to read it out and just uh, ask your thoughts about this. They said that almost all refugee organisations with lawyers refused to help the Home to Billow family in Melbourne at the start. Now the family is high profile, everyone is weeping. Unless it is high profile or crowd-funded, refugees are forgotten in detention centres, and this happens to many. So I'm wondering, what does this mean in terms of other other refugees that are uh, in, in danger of being deported? You know, what does this mean in terms of supporting those people as well? Um, look, I, uh, you know, there are a lot of refugees uh, with lot worse uh, um, uh, situations, and um, you know, a lot of families have been uh, let down uh, over a, uh, over a long time. You know, I've been involved in refugee activism for over uh, 10 years now and and I've seen so many examples even you know just in the last 12 months you know if I'm going to talk about Tamil examples there is uh, you know two Tamil men um in uh, uh three Tamil men in uh, in Maita in Villawood detention center who have been detained for over 10 years and one of them has been diagnosed with leukemia and uh, he's not getting appropriate uh, uh, medical help uh, in the detention centre. 
and uh, and the the government is not letting them uh, not letting him out uh, into the community. There's another blind man in in Villawood Detention Centre. Last year, um, there was a, a family. Uh, you know, the the wife was given protection visa. Uh, she had a newborn uh, baby as well, uh, and the husband was denied protection visa, and he was deported back um, after wife getting the the protection visa. Uh, you know, a week after she, she got the protection visa. So, you know, there are so many uh, horrible stories uh, people have gone through, and and you know, um, right is right. Generally. People don't like to do the hard work uh, of uh, building a mass campaign. You know, they would uh, love to get yeah. involved uh, in the in the uh, at the stage where a lot of people are talking about a case, but they wouldn't want to do that hard work at the start. Mm. Um, uh, you know, the, the the difference with this family is that there was a town prepared to campaign for yeah. them. Um, you know, Tamil Refugee Council was the one that uh, put out the the press release uh, at the start and, and alerted to the media. Mm. Um, and, and it went viral. Um, you know, our social media post was shared by 10,000 people even before, um, uh, you know, any media reported mm. it. Uh, and, and as soon as the media reported it, you know, the, the focus was on uh, the Billabula community because they were all in shock and, mm. and you know, they carried this uh, campaign uh, all the way through. Um, we have got, you know, we have got our legal team uh, supporting uh, people of Pillow uh, Villa, but it's, it's been their campaign, you know, and, and yeah. that's why so many people are talking about it. Yeah. And clearly, I mean, I guess we can use that as a framework in terms of other people's situations, but we know that, you know, you at the Tamil G, uh, sorry, the Tamil Refugee Council do. Uh, uh, provide information quite regularly on your social medias about other people that, as you mentioned, that are in danger and are in detention still. So that's something that we can do is promote those posts and engage with that as well. That's right. Uh, you know, uh, I'm just hoping that this campaign uh, with Peria and Nuddies, this is not just about one family. Um, I, I hope... Uh, you know, a win for this family means win yeah. for the, the refugee movement. Yeah. Um, if the deportation goes goes ahead, it'll be a devastating blow uh, to the chances of many other Tamil um, asylum seekers, and, yeah. and I would say all asylum seekers. You know, um, so I'm, I'm hoping that it'll be a win. We we already like in the Tamil community, we already had two Tamils committing, um, uh, sorry, uh, dying by suicide yeah. in the last um, uh, uh, in the last uh, couple of weeks. And um, you know, if the deportation goes ahead, I think um, you know these sort of events uh, will will inc- increase. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I'm I'm just hoping that uh, we do whatever we can to to stop this deportation. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for your time this morning, Aaron. We hope that, uh, I guess, all our thoughts are with this family tomorrow and the verdict, and if you can get down there, listeners, to support this family, that would be amazing. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you for having me on air.
QR code is an LGBTIQA plus health podcast made by queers. Across eight episodes, hear us engaging with our communities discussing diverse and intersecting topics on In Your Face on the last Friday of every month or download from 3cr.org.au forward slash QR code. And follow us on Facebook at QR code 3CR, funded by the City of Yarra. Welcome back to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR Community Radio. Today's been a bit of a big show, and now to round it all up, we've got two guests in the studio. I'm very, very excited to be talking to them today. We've got Tam and Helen, who are here from the Wheeler Centre, to talk about a very exciting event called Broadside, which is happening on the 9th and 10th of November. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us, Tam and Helen. Thanks for having us. It's a pleasure. Um, Maybe we'll start with introductions. So what do you do? Oh, I am the Head of Programming at the Wheeler Centre, mm-hmm. uh, and which um, I'm just one of four people who put together the, program, the annual Wheeler Centre program, mm-hmm. um, but it's a very big job in itself, which is why we were very excited to bring on Tam Zimmet as the festival, festival Director for the Broadside Festival, which is because it is another very big job. So yeah. <laughs> uh, it's been really great to work with Tam um, to pull this incredible lineup together. Speaking of incredible lineup, Tam, this is a ridiculous lineup. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, we feel like that too. It's funny. We um we launched yesterday. Yeah. Um, so it, but we've been kind of sitting on it for so long. So it's really nice to have it out in the world um, mm. and kind of see the reception that it was getting as well, which was really cool. Yeah, on Twitter, on Facebook, yeah. everyone's talking about it. Um, do you want to talk about what the festival is, firstly, and how the idea? happened? Yeah, sure. So Broadside is two days of um, unashamed festival. Uh, uh, feminist programming at Melbourne Town Hall. Um, so it's over the Saturday and Sunday of the 9th and 10th of November. Um, but also, really importantly, we have a teen day, which is on the 8th of November at the Wheeler Centre. So that's going to be more than 100 um, young women and gender non-conforming teens coming to the Wheeler Centre for workshops and discussion, um, all about kind of finding their voice and um, their own creative practice as well. So we're really excited about that. It's going to be, um, yeah, pretty intense having so many young people at the Wheeler Centre. It'll be brilliant. Um, yeah. And so we have the lineup is about 35 people um, across internationals and locals, um, all kind of feminist speakers and writers and activists, performers. Um, but we've just been, yeah, really thrilled by the way it's come together. Mm, tell us about some of the guests. Um, so I guess our, like internationals, we have Zadie Smith, who is coming to Melbourne for the first time in almost 20 years. Um, she's here with Grand Union, which is a publication of her short stories, which is the first time she's done short stories. Um, but yeah, when she was here she, last, she was 24, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, a debut writer. So we're really excited um, to be having her. We have Monica Lewinsky as well. Uh, who has done a lot of work um, as an activist in the anti-bullying space. Mm. Uh, so we're really excited to... Uh, she ha- also hasn't done a lot um, publicly, but is now sort of starting to speak openly about her experiences. Uh, and this will be the first time that she's ever toured to Australia to do um, anything publicly. So we're really, really That's stoked amazing. that we uh, were able to convince her to come. Mm. Yeah, she does a lot of incredible stuff, yeah, in kind of online bullying and activism, um, particularly, particularly for young people. So mm. she's a patron of this organisation called the Bystander Revolution, and she also started or worked with a campaign called Defy the Name, which is um, about taking names that you might have been called as a kid or as a teenager growing up and saying that that isn't you, it doesn't define who you are, you're more than that. Mm. And, yeah, 
Yeah, and I'm looking at the program here and closer to home as well. We've got really famous names, uh, Maria Tamakin, Marin Faruqi, Michelle Law, Nayuka Gori, just, just incredible speakers. How did you get all of them <laughs> together for two days? How is this happening? We're kind of joking before this, yeah, luck and magic. Um, <laughs> but anyone who is lucky enough like Helen and I to work in kind of public programming mm. has a very extensive list like their dream list of people mm. um, that they've always wanted to work with. And this is pretty much reflective of the our. entire list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, like you said, they're really exciting people um, like Nuka and like Maureen and Maria, um, but also Aileen Morton-Robinson, um, mm. who is a professor at QUT and wrote Talking Up to the White Woman, um, which was Australia's first um, book written for, about feminism from an Indigenous woman's standpoint. And that was 20 years ago, which is really recent. Um, yeah. So, but she's an absolute pioneer in that space um, and is, yeah, we couldn't believe it when we when she said yes and she said yes very very early on that's a really yeah. seminal book on on feminism really yeah. um and it's really exciting to see she's she's doing a session called world of difference decolonizing feminism with ruby hamad mm-hmm. who wrote the um white tears brown scars yeah exactly um who we had on the show last week just oh, okay. a fun fact um so it's really exciting and i just want to talk about i guess you know i mean feminism evolves around you know, around the around the years, mm-hmm. and we're at a point now where intersectional feminism is the buzzword. Yep, and everyone's talking about it. Mm-hmm. And did that sort of play into how you lined up these skits? Yeah, I think that when you talk when we talk about intersectional feminism, or when we talk about things like decolonization, mm. that they're not buzzword, even though they they are very much around and kind of has become you know part of um, our vocabulary only in the last you know just over a decade probably, um, well, for intersectionality, I think it was like 1989, um, mm-hmm. which is with Kimberly Crenshaw. Mm-hmm. But um, with decolonizing, it's like a very intentional practice, obviously led by Indigenous women that you can't separate from resistance either. Um, it's a really, really important part of what we're trying to do with Broadside is have this diversity of experience and of um, personal, and prof- personal and professional history, um, also culture, like, and also across generations as well. Um, yeah, I think we, like it's a really unique opportunity to come together and kind of have these tricky and nuanced conversations mm. about decolonizing feminism, mm. um, which is the rage against uh, sorry, which is uh, a world of difference panel. Yeah. Um, we also have another panel about feminism and capitalism, mm. um, which will be wonderful. Which Santilla Changape is heading up for us. Mm-hmm. Um, that has Gia Tolentino. Fatima Bhutto, uh, Tracy McMillan-Cottom, who is a sociologist from the States. She wrote this kind of searing collection of essays called Thick recently. Mm-hmm. And everybody's favourite podcaster, Aminata So, uh, who does the amazing Call Your Girlfriend podcast, uh, which is required reading, for, mm-hmm. required listening even for everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think that is, that's a really interesting a new angle of feminism because uh, in a funny kind of way, feminism seems to have become more individualistic um, in recent years um, rather than about, uh, you know, bringing everyone along and um, about the the good of the group and all those sorts of things. Uh, So um, interrogating the way capitalism has played into that and um, maybe how we can reverse it. <laughs> yeah. In our, um, in the uh, program that we have, um, there's every person has a quote attributed to their um, bio and mm-hmm. Santilla, um, who's hosting, says that, you know, people want to talk about, like, why there aren't women on boards and she wants to talk about why women can't get jobs. 
Yeah. You know, and that's kind of the essence of what we want to talk about and what we want to explore. And it's, you know what, it's really uncomfortable making for a lot of people. Mm. Um, but that's what we hope the weekend does. Like we hope it makes people yeah. angry and excited and uncomfortable, but yeah. we hope it, you know, like we said, we hope it puts people in a mood. That's yeah. what we want, a mood. <laughs> It'll be quite a weekend. Yeah. yeah, you're right. I mean, there's going to be lots of anger and tears and also a lot of uncomfortable. Yeah. But also, yeah. Yeah, this is like a real collection of incredibly smart and really funny mm. um, and clever people um, Yeah, kind of talking about their expertise and their experience. Mm. And that there is this really big celebratory element to what we're doing. It's really exciting. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's so much to... Um, brings us apart, which is incredibly important, um, but also to kind of to come together to grapple that kind of stuff. We also have a um, bar space downstairs at Melbourne Town Hall called Club Skunk, mm-hmm. um, which is named after the bar in 10 Things I Hate About You. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which, yeah, it's the same way. Classic. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. A seminal text. Yeah. Um, yeah, when Heath Ledger says, you know, these guys in no bikini kill all the raincoats, yeah. um, and he's wearing those leather pants. So, mm. yeah, we're really, really excited about that as well. Yeah, I'm really excited. I mean, I'm holding the program in my hands and, you know, I'm looking at gallivanting. I mean, you know, sex work yeah. as part of um, any sort of feminist um, discussion or panels or, you know, sh- shouldn't be a radical idea, but it still mm-hmm. is. So that's that's really exciting. Yeah. We've also got um, a storytelling night on the Saturday night, which I think will be really beautiful and moving mm. and um, will actually merge those two uh uh, inspirations, I guess, that we had for the festival of the celebration and also the um, the interrogation of and uh, of what feminism is. And the the theme is what things my mother ne- never told me. So mm. you'll hear from a range of speakers who will be talking about um, what they wish they'd been told, yeah. um, what they were told, what they weren't told. Um, it'll be funny and complicated and probably a little bit messy. And mm-hmm. um, yeah. I think it, it will make everybody want to call someone that they love. Yeah. <laughs> we'll all be there with the tissues. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, really, it's pretty wild. In, yeah, in one night you can see, like, Maureen Faruqi, mm. um, Curtis Sittenfeld, Aria Levy, Courtney Barnett, Benji Ra, who is a house mother mm. at Slay, which is a Western Sydney Vogue house. Um, and she's Patricia. an incredible, incredible performer. Yeah, Patricia Cornelius, Maria Jamarkin. It, yeah, it's just uh, it's Nicole amazing. Lee. It's an incredible list. Yeah, and let's talk logistics. Where is it happening? How do people get tickets? Where do they show up? Uh, it is happening at Melbourne Town Hall over the 9th and 10th of November. At mm-hmm. the moment, you can buy tickets from Uh You can only wear... Uh, selling tickets in a pass at the moment so you can get a three pack or um or, or more like a multi-pack and you get discounts for buying mm-hmm. um, more than one ticket you can get a day pass or you can get you can lock on for the whole weekend and get a weekend pass mm. uh and the weekend pass is 25 percent off as well yeah and that is 11 sessions across the weekend so it is yep. very good bang for your buck yes yeah. <laughs> um but if that's just all sounding like a little too much feminism. Uh, single tickets will go on sale from Monday. Is there such a thing as too Never much feminism? Never enough yeah. feminism. <laughs> <laughs> and I also just want to quickly plug that it says um, uh, there's accessibility requirements. Uh, so there are accessibility um and community options. tickets as well. Yeah, and Auslan. Well, all the sessions will be Auslan interpreted. This is great. That's this great. is great, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Thank so Congratulations and thank you so much for coming thank in. Thank you so much for having us. It's been a total pleasure. Where my soup
Wear my hat on front ways, the back professor's some smoke saying companies that really own me. Wear my tie right up to the neck, paying an excellent out I'm lotty dot blah blah executives. Wear my heels not to appeal to your senses. I'm not covered up because your senses. They can put that shit up on the senses. Wear my lipstick, I'm red with power. Hotter by the hour, on time, my own power. Clink your glasses, melt the ice like ice. Raise your glasses, melt the ice like ice. Clink your glasses, my flashes, you won't ready for it to feel this nice. You won't ready for it to feel this nice. Woo! Clink your glasses, melt the ice like ice. Raise your glasses, melt the ice like ice. Clink your glasses, my flashes, you won't ready for it to feel this nice. You won't ready for it to feel this nice. I'm a very busy woman with a lot of my plate. I'm a very busy woman with a lot of my plate. I'm a very busy woman with a lot of my plate. So you better eat it up before I take it away. B.O.B. cause B.O.C. we fighting back on policy. And you can call me feminazi, go ahead and call me nasty. Hey, your bubble burst, fighting like a girl. Roll drama, roll up the power of the female force. When I flat up on the same throne, she's gone. We lost when it's on us, cave like Farrakhan. Dip this female pheromone, it makes the pharaohs moan. Cleopatra toes are curling. So powerful, the sphinx's nose is falling. Clink your glasses, melt the ice like ice. Raise your glasses, melt the ice like ice. Clink your glasses, I'll flash it. You won't ready for it to feel this nice. You won't ready for it to feel this this is Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR Community Radio. Thank you so much to our guest today for joining us. We had Michelle McNamara talking about the Uni Melbourne Trans Rights and Feminism panel happening on the 24th. We had Hayley Cole and O.P. Lubudin from Plan International talking about the new exciting campaign. We had Anthony Kelly from the Melbourne Activist Legal Support talking about their fundraiser. Aaron Meilwagnan about Priya Nades and about the documentary screening that happened yesterday. And finally, we had Tam and Helen from Wheeler Center talking about their very, very exciting program, Broadside. Such a good show. What a show. So up next is Accent of Women with Ayan. She is speaking with Daisy in Data, who will be talking about her Melbourne Fringe show Assimilate. We'll catch you next Thank week. Thank you. See you next week. <laughs> 